You are now vibing with Choose Peace, a podcast dedicated to the fighter in you, a safe space of girl talk, meaningful conversation, shared life experiences, and genuine practical encouragement to support you in the daily fight to choose peace. I am your host, B. So go ahead and fill your cup, coffee mug, or a glass for that matter. And let's talk. Hey, thank you all for tuning in again and vibing with me here on Choose Peace, the podcast. I am B, of course, and this week's session is going to be about choosing peace in the workplace and what leads millennials to build our own tables. Yeah, I know, right? Where do we begin? I want to be transparent and only show growth through what I've actually been through. So I did draw on and mention some of my specific story throughout this session. And maybe I'll follow up with a sort of specific tell all. But for the sake of helping others and who may find themselves at this crossroads, let's go ahead and talk this out. And most definitely follow up with me on the blog site and share your own why I left my nine to five, why I quit my dream job and what made me build my table story. You know how we do. I am absolutely sure that all of us have experienced some type of workplace static that has caused us to either question our place, our worth or to have to reel in our inner beast. In my experience, questioning my place began in higher education prior to entering the workforce. And for those of y'all that went straight into the workforce, bear with me here for just a second. So I didn't get the magical, inclusive experience of attending an HBCU. Man, it was in my original plans to attend for grad school, but life happened and I actually started at a PWI. Um, But before I even joined corporate America, those feelings of not belonging were present at the PWI that I attended. At that time, I didn't know much about affirmative action. It just wasn't on the forefront of my mind, let alone leading some type of self-righteous charge of my being on that particular campus. In fact, a high school counselor introduced me to the top 10% rule. And for those listening and not familiar with it, the state of Texas has this rule where high school students graduating in the top 10% of their class from an accredited high school program get automatic admission to participating Texas universities. So for me, my home and personal situation, this spelled escape. So I was entirely intrinsically driven to get there. And black and brown millennials are often the first in their families to graduate high school, let alone go on to higher education. So a lot of it is just just inner self, you know, in the fight towards it to occupy these positions in the workforce and in corporate America and on these higher educational campuses. Um, for a lot of us black and brown women, unfortunately, we have to be reminded of the fact that we belong, that we deserve to be in those spaces, no matter if we are the only person of color there, the only woman in the room. No one ever gives us, you know, 
we work hard and nine times out of 10, we are work the hardest worker prior to our arrival. How they say we have to work three times as hard to get half of what they get or something like that. But it's the sad truth. The point I'm making is what is up with that entitlement of people to kind of passively suggest we prove our self-worth? Like, have you ever been in a workspace where you had to constantly refer to your resume, like on an offhanded way, maybe not directly by announcing your prior experiences or anything, but like sliding it in? It's exhausting, especially when it requires more than just a one time suggestion from a previous job or project management experience that you had, you know, that suggests, hey, I kind of know what I'm doing. But the fact that you have to constantly slide in these humble interjections, because, of course, we have to overextend, you know, we have to overextend our warmth, always be smiling and overly friendly. But in the workplace specifically, I don't know about you all, but my experience with diversity hiring and affirmative action has come solely from my counterpart side conversation or over the top parading for my superiors as being the token black girl. Like, has anyone else noticed that the people who flaunt and exclaim the supposed handouts for us the most are not us? In fact, we're like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me? And all this time, like, we don't even know that this is even in play here, you know, we'd be so off. We can even talk about those cringeworthy microaggressions that are often shrugged off as normal work culture or innocent curiosity. No one ever runs to the kitchenette or causes such a huge scene during lunch for Karen's Weight Watchers or Casserole of the Week. But it's an impromptu cooking segment when Clara's Joloff is warmed up. It's so annoying, right? Like, get cultured. Now, don't get me wrong. No offense. I love me some Joloff rice. Actually, someone please invite me to a Joloff and Friends because... I am in need. You hear me? It's been too long, but get back to the point. We can even point out the fact that we are not afforded the leadway leniences or cushions that our white counterparts are afforded, that our normal work ethic often singles us out either making us exhausted, overworked, underpaid, underappreciated work mules, or just a clear target for our coworkers who either cannot or just simply will not raise the bar. It's almost as if we're being punished for being our normal, great selves. Or we put our hard work and intelligence into creating something that our superiors claim to be using as an example, but end up sharing it for the free to everybody in their mall. And it's not like we don't want to be team players, but they weren't with us shooting in the gym, you know? And while we're here, corporate America, let's make the clear distinction that diversity does not equal inclusion. Oftentimes, we're the only person of color in the office setting. 
So work environment and culture is a task to navigate all in itself while being black or brown and a woman. At this point in age, companies should be embarrassed to introduce a new hire to a company with zero representation. In fact, in these interviews, we should be posing a question to the interviewing panel. What demographic is the minority in your company and what percentage do they make up of your workforce? Right off top. If there are any listeners who are corporate execs, upper management, talent recruiters, or maybe you're an ally and you found yourself listening to broaden your spectrum, of course, welcome. But understand that while potential employees are presenting themselves as assets, we are also shopping for the right company fit for us, which includes an accepting work environment and culture. Because there are opportunity costs at play here. And for millennials, they are high. Okay. If we get in and things aren't shaping up to how they were made out to be, guess what? We're not having it. Y'all, I have a cousin. I love her dearly. That's my bestie. That's my ride or die, my rock. But if a job is not doing what it's supposed to do, peace, gone. (laughs) Everybody knows it, right? Now, we're not as spontaneous. Millennials are not as spontaneous as Generation Z because they just be wilding. You know, our parents and grandparents taught us to never leave a job without having something else already secured. So we will politely and expeditiously make and execute an exit plan. But what's more interesting to note here is the fact that we will try plenty of approaches to make it work prior to committing to that exit decision. And I believe this is key for management to understand and recognize these flags and cater to your people and in turn your organization. Millennials will do it for you like we will. But if it's not reciprocated, we will take our talents to South Beach (laughs) because we are employable. Let me tell you something about black women. Black women will start a business, baby. Okay. During the COVID-19 pandemic, so we're talking 2020, Melissa Bradley, founder of 1863 Ventures, which is an agency for black and brown entrepreneurs, was quoted by the Business Insider online for an article in February of 2022 and saying, at a time when folks were rethinking their lives and choices, it wasn't surprising that more black women were electing to become CEOs of their own companies rather than waiting for their intelligence skill and skills to be recognized at their current firms. Duh. <laughs> you all know that I'm gonna drop some of my own experience here and there um, on why and how I quit my nine to five. But to kind of touch deeper on this questioning our worth bit here, how many of us can recall requesting accommodations on a job that were completely overlooked or just plain out shut down. And then you watched Lori from receiving get her workload divided up. And now all of a sudden you have more duties on your plate and the staff meeting is now being held up because it doesn't work with her schedule. Maybe not exactly, but you all get what I'm saying. I'm an ex racker That's the enterprise rent a car training program. And anyone who has been grilled 
and moved up through those ranks there, understand what I'm about to say. If you weren't prior to, you came out of that bad boy, proactive AF, <laughs> planning ahead, having plans A, B, C, and D, scheduling skills on immaculate. We can predict and respond to issues before anyone else sees them coming. You know, so of course, we kind of carry that mentality long after we've left the green machine, especially if we left in a management role with our own locations. And I had experience at both home city and airport with the tribe ran. So, so get this. And I'm talking about this current the job that I just left. I'm new. I'm learning from the very bottom. And I've been briefed by upper management that part of my job is to basically create efficiencies, which is great. Because that's my management experience. That's where I come from, right? And side note, it's an art to remove your manager brain and go to novice brain, right? But don't get it twisted, right? Novice, not idiot. We have to be aware of that energy when it comes around also. So off the top, I see A, B, C. And I can remember sitting down to lunch with the big boss and him asking, And I offered this info. Here's what I see. Here are the options. What do you want to put into play here? Because, you know, that's what I do. And we get back to the job site and it's like block after block after block. No, no. Close this door. Close this door. Shut this down. Shut this down. Like, okay, if you all just wanted to stay in your chaos, then so be it. But as for me, I'm going to work smarter and not harder. But then as soon as Sue Ellen spazzes out and gets overwhelmed because she just has so much to do and she needs help. Oh, now we're changing the operations and sharing responsibilities, a.k.a. cross training. Right. It causes one to step back and look and say, "Okay, what's the difference in this picture? It's like one of those comic page sections. Right. Can you spot the difference? Which leads me into how we have to reel in our inner beast sometimes. It is all too common that we as black women have this thought in our minds running constantly that we don't want to be labeled as the angry black woman or, you know, as the spicy Latina or that we have an attitude. We may find ourselves over managing our mannerisms. For example, I talk with my hands, almost like a presenter. It's just how I've come to learn and understand speech. Also, I was an elementary ELAR teacher at a campus heavily populated with non-English speaking and and new to English students. So it's kind of a habit, it just kind of helps, right? But we have to be overtly aware of our body movements and posture when we speak. Too many times I found myself very stiff when engaging in a conversation with work peers, being mindful of my head movements, making sure I'm not rolling my neck or pointing my finger or making too big of gestures with my hands. We are constantly aware of other people's facial responses to our tones, to our choice of words, you know, and I'm not sure there's another demographic that has to check all these points prior to walking into the front doors at the start of the workday. And yet still, we can monitor all of these things. And when it's restated back to us through a coworker, maybe in a later conversation or something, it's so 
comical and animated and over-exaggerated. Like they channel some spunky attitude filled black girl. And you're like, I for damn sure know that's not how I came off because I specifically made a point not to. Additionally, apparently, we have a way of making people nervous just by being. I do know that I want to be careful what I speak on during this session because I have colleagues and friends of all creeds and nationalities, but there are some experiences that are new, that are unique to Black women and women of color that all people need to be cognitive and aware of, especially in the workplace. And quite frankly, if you're put off by any of this content, maybe it's not for you. It's just exhausting that instead of our counterparts lending energy to the greater cause of the business, to the job duties, the overall and collective goal, it becomes a sort of competition or people feel intimidated. Places of adult employment quickly turn into middle school girls gym class. So we find ourselves at this crossroads, or at least I did. After I had tried plenty different avenues to fit, to make a space for myself to contribute and to grow, because at the end of the day, I could see myself in the grand scheme of things. The benefits package was amazing, especially for a young black single mother of three at the time when I started the job. I was still at an age where with the right financial planning and management, retirement would have been on target. And I had even set goals for my side business, you know. And with the tone that was set by management and my hiring, I thought I was on a management track, you know. But I eventually found myself clocking out that last day and driving home with a decision to make. I would have either stayed and played their little nitpicky I keep tabs on you and your mishaps, mess ups and throw you under the bus any chance I get. And you do the same. And we all just stay in this mediocre chaos filled circus ring of daily operations back and forth stuff. Or, you know. But, you know, anything we do, we do it. So I know me. I used to. Yes, I'm saying used to have a rap sheet of being petty. Like one of my best friends has me say this petty LaBelle in her phone. Like it was so bad. But I realized that the growth I had been working so hard on personally was being challenged to where it felt like the only way for me to function there was to join the Romans, essentially. And I was not willing to do that. Furthermore, there's only so much professionalism and containment in a person. So my patience had just completely run out for the BS from all levels. And the last thing I desired was for the wrong button to be pushed and all of my professionalism, poise, control, and communication to just become a stream of obscenities and maybe a burnt down trailer and some not so kind words to superiors. So in other words, I was done. There was no version of me clocking back into a place that just wasn't given what it was supposed to have gave, you know? <laughs> so I submitted an immediate resignation. I put my devices on D&D until late that night. And when I should have been clocking in that Friday morning and wrapping up a strong logistics weeks and plan for the next one, 
I spent the entire day setting up my home office. Literally, I set up three folding tables in my living room and I've been clocking in here in my office every workday since. Every entrepreneur who steps out like that will tell you becoming your own boss doesn't mean you work less or easier. Like this right here is testing all of my resume skills and experience, really. Here's where I'm at with it, though. And I know that someone out there, this will resonate with you. My work ethic alone will not allow me to be mediocre. It's it's just not in me. I don't think nor operate that way. We live in a society so zoned in on our resumes. So, so naturally, we focus a lot of our work experience, training programs, personal development, our, our networking relationships around flexing our strengths, stretching our capabilities, and just getting better at our weaknesses. And at this point in my professional career in management and logistics, have been, you know, exercising my strength of analyzing, creating an increasing structure, uh, being efficient. You know, I guess coming from customer service, transportation, quality assurance and control, it's just in me. You know, I can't just show up and collect a check. That's not me. So I, I love being at home. I'm a homebody. Everyone and everything that I love is right here. I've worked damn hard to create and maintain the vibes in my space. Those who have been fortunate enough to be here and and connected enough to feel it know what I mean. You know, shit is lovely here. So for me to wake up every day and make the choice to leave my space, it really has to be worth it. You know, and I'm I'm not moved by money. You know, now, of course, I'm not going to take a crap job for pennies. And, you know, if I do go back into the workforce, it's, you know, insurance, you know, because them babies, right? And it really would have to be just a decent amount of dollar bills. You know, I'm just not going to be the person that's going to rise early just for the dog and pony show and collect my check at the end of the week or on the first or the 15th or whatever. You know, it's not how I operate. And I think that has become a hold on a culture to be like that. That's the norm. So, so common, in fact, that instead of companies realizing the tangible asset that's made available to them in the forward movement of their companies to to work through and have a diversely fairly compensated and bought in team members a lot of times the culture and the people in the workplace become immediately intimidated by the newness and all the energy goes towards putting that light out and and that makes absolutely no sense but here i am at peace i'm bought in I am the customer service representative. I am the editor in chief, the marketing exec, the visual and audio tech. I'm IT. I'm the merchandiser. I'm the website developer. I'm the logistics coordinator. I'm the content creator. (laughs) You know, I wake up in the morning, do my routine, get my family off to the destinations. I clock in. I make my own deadlines. I work my ass off to exceed them. Then I shut it down to, to make dinner and enjoy the evenings with my babies, you know? I, I like this table much better. <laughs> now, I'm not saying, you know, quit your job today, sis. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to take an inventory. Life is too short and there's too much peace to be created to work in turmoil unnecessarily. If something is costing your peace, 
causing you to be experiencing more anxiety than promotions, more depression than deposit amount, or you find yourself taking more mental health days and you can't kick down your therapist doors quick enough, reevaluate. For sure, do what works for you and yours. Maybe make an exit plan. Just don't remain stunted in a miserable place where you have to heal from. Remember, we are choosing, creating, and protecting our peace fully because that's the whole point, you know? So I know you all have some juicy, powerful, and they did what experience to share. So meet me in the comments on the blog and let's talk. Matter of fact, I'm going to exchange this water bottle for a stemmed glass. Okay. And I'm going to meet y'all there. Peace, love, joy, and the vibes. Bye.